waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. For all things basementy, visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Gilmore has a shot to win it all here. He scores! The left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by all Aguila. Three bounce. Another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg. All right, we are underway on this hour of Flames Talk. It is Tuesday, August 22nd. We welcome you to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Yeah, Steinberg along with you, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio on this Tuesday afternoon. Ryan Dietrich going to join us in studio from CalgaryFlames.com. Talk some Flames offseason a little bit later on, but it's a Tuesday. Uh, We're back for a little limited time engagement in the middle of August before we hit our final hiatus. We're back for good after Labor Day. And uh, when we're back after Labor Day on Tuesdays, our NHL insider Frank Saravalli will be back with us every Tuesday afternoon. And our NHL insider Frank Saravalli is with us right now to kick off this hour down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Get the uh, latest around the NHL and even the latest on the Flames is the uh, very quiet August continues. Frank joins us now from Daily Faceoff and DailyFaceoff.com. Hello, Mr. Saravalli. How are we doing? I'm good. I think we had a bad connection, a better one now. Uh, how has your summer been? It's good, man. It's good. I uh, A, thank you for the recommendation in Paris. That worked out very well. Uh, and B, yeah, it's been a great summer. How about yours? It's been good. It's been nice to disconnect a bit. And now I'm starting to get that itch again. Uh, getting excited for hockey season around the corner. And uh, I'm getting ready to go. Well... And the last time that we would have talked to you on Flames Talk, I can guarantee the Calgary Flames roster looked exactly the same as it does now on August 22nd. Uh, Since free agency, the Flames haven't done much at all. Not like they haven't tried, but there's uh, been really no roster news for this Flames team since early July. Are we surprised by that? They made the deal at the draft. They swapped in a couple of bodies on July 1st and July 2nd. But since that time, a lot of the names that we've been keeping an eye on have not moved or have not re-signed. Are, are, are you surprised that you know, a month and a half on from free agency, the Flames haven't been able to do anything significant? Not really, because I don't really know what the path would be short of getting one of these guys signed to begin to turn the tide in another direction could really, yeah. And I, and I say this understanding exactly and knowing what Craig Conroy said at his opening press conference, introductory press conference, you know, this team essentially with the spot that they're in contractually has been um, basically backed into a corner. Yeah. And rather than fight it, rather than throw your hands up in the air and cry, um, I think they've just basically said, hey, look, uh, we're in a tough spot and we're going to work our way out of it. And in the meantime, we're not going to do anything rash and we're going to be patient here 
and see if we can, even with all this change, especially at the top of the front office, really put this team in a position to compete for a playoff spot next year. And the only way to really serve that mission and mandate is to keep those players that you have, even if they're in the final year of their deal. Mm-hmm. Where uh, where are we? I know you had a little bit of an update uh, this week on Elias Lindholm. What's your understanding as to where things sit with him and as the Flames try to figure out exactly what the path forward is there? I, I think it's kind of, it feels like a term directly out of Seinfeld. It's like the non-update update, if that makes any <laughs> yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't have any real news to pass along other than that these two sides continue to talk. I think there's an edge of optimism and or positivity. And they the Flames have put their cards on the table. I think they've made a massive offer uh, going back to late June, early July. Mm-hmm. I think they remain intent on signing Elias Lindholm. And I think the best way to describe it is, as time has gone on, I think he... I don't want to say he's coming around, but my sense is that he is listening more intently than he might have been, you know, six, eight weeks ago. And then there's Noah Hannafin, and it doesn't really feel like a, a single thing has changed in that I think the Flames that are still... That one's not changing. Yeah, the Flames are, Flames are looking to move him, and they're waiting until they get the right offer because they know he's not coming back beyond this season. But as you said... It might be a scenario if, if offers aren't strong and if they're not getting what they're looking for, as opposed to making, as you said, a rash decision, maybe you do have to wait until late October or early November to make a deal here. I, honestly, I, I think the time frame might be even more stretched than that. A lot of it will be dictated by how the flames come out of the gate. Um, if there is an authentic chance to make the playoffs and, Fortunately or unfortunately, in the hockey world, you tend to know that by mid-November. That's just the way the math works. But I think in some ways, Hannafin might be the toughest piece that the Flames have on their hands because he's a really valuable player. He's more valuable, I think, to the Flames, obviously, than what they've been shown on the open market. And more than that, I think the really tough part is if the Flames are truly in line for a bounce-back season, which I think they are, and they are in the mix for the playoffs, the tough part about that becomes how do you then rip the Band-Aid off and and damage this team's chances? Can you even do that and, and make a move to trade someone like Hannafin as you get closer to the deadline if the team is still in the mix? That's the really unenviable position, I think, that Craig Conroy would find himself in if the Flames are, you know, play well enough to be in that conversation. But sometimes, you know, that's that's the way it works. Like sometimes a player fulfills his contractual uh, obligation, and you shake hands and and walk away at the end of the term. I don't think there's there's any hard and fast rule that says this player has to be dealt. 
The uh, the one that comes to my mind when talking about Hannafin, specifically Hannafin, um, is is where things were with Matt Duchesne uh, about four or five years ago, a little bit more than that. I guess it was 2017, so it's more than almost six years ago now. But everybody knew that Joe Sakic was going to be trading him. Everybody knew that the Avalanche were looking to move off of Duchesne, but Sakic waited and took a lot of heat publicly for waiting until in early November he swung a huge deal that also got a third team involved, and Ottawa and Nashville came in. He got a great return for Duchesne, and it turned out that being patient and sticking to your guns and sticking to your price is the way to go. And that's kind of my one of my examples, not the only one. There's a number of other ones that you could point to, but that's just an example that comes to mind right away when talking about if the Flames are adamant in trading him and they have to wait until the season starts, that might be one of those models that they could follow in that somebody maybe gets hurt or a team gets off to a poor start and is a little bit more desperate to make a trade in November than they would be in July or August. You know, it doesn't there's still an opportunity in my eyes for the flames to get the price they believe is fair for a player like Hannafin, even once the season is underway. I don't disagree with you at all. And I think there's other examples to point to as well. Um, I would also say two, you know, two things in response to that one. um, It's pretty rare, at least historically over the last number of years for trade to materialize especially now with a fourth straight season of a frozen salary cap in October or November. And two, I think so much of what happens next is really dependent on how the team plays with Hannafin on the ice. Like I said, you know, I don't see the flames being in a spot where they cut off their nose to spite their face. And that's, like I said, that's the tough part that, that Craig Conroy is going to have to you know, navigate and negotiate is the mission and mandate for this team is to win. They're like with the contract signed to Huberto and Uyghur and, um, you know, you look at Mark, like Markstrom needs to bounce back. And, you know, you've got all these guys, Kadri, that they're not going anywhere first off. And second, you know, they're, they were brought here to win, and that means that with those types of players on your roster, you're never really going to bottom out. And so I think the last thing you want to do is be stuck in, in the murky middle, and if the Flames are there, they're going to have to take a shot to try and compete. Any uh, There's really not much movement with some of these other names either. It doesn't feel like things have changed on the Michael Backlund front in terms of what type of offers they've received there, or even some of these other names from Tanev to Zadorov. It feels like just based on, as you mentioned, a flat cap in the NHL and only a $1 million increase, it, it really does feel like just overall it's tough to get business done, at least on the trade front right now. Well, you know, as soon as I was firing out those tweets, in mid to late June, yeah, you know, basically outlining the situation for a number of these players that 25 GMs around the league were calling Craig Conroy offering a life raft that was disguised as an anchor. <laughs> yeah. They're not giving you anything of value because people can see what type of position you're in. And 
I think different players have different stories attached to them. Like we just talked in depth about Hannafin and how that one, I think everyone is on the same page. That one's not changing. He's yep. not yep. re-signing in Calgary when his deal is up. But I think the door was open, cracked open a little bit for Lindholm. I think it's cracked open a little bit more. I think they felt like the door was cracked open even more than that and has gotten larger potentially for Backlund. And I, I really truly believe that part of the pitch now for both those players and beyond is just let our, you know, let our new coach come in, understand his voice, get to understand where we're heading here, start to see some progress on some other things, including the new arena. Like things are going to be different here now and let us prove it to you and let it start with our success on the ice. Yep. That the part of the pitch has been, let's, you know, let's just see how things look. Give us a chance. So last one on the Flames, Frankie. When we're back in two weeks after Labor Day and and weekly chats with Frank Saravalli on Flames Talk return, does any uh, is it is it the exact same conversation in two weeks? Does anything change after Labor Day compared to where we are right now on August twenty second? My guess would be that the Flames take another run before, or maybe once some of those guys start to, to trickle into town mm-hmm. before training camp begins to try and get an extension done with a Lindholm, for instance. But other than that, um, no, I don't see some sort of blockbuster right around the corner yeah. where the Flames are making seismic changes. Uh, he is Frank Saravalli. He is our daily face-off NHL insider joining us here this hour of Flames Talk on a Tuesday. Let's uh, head a little east because, you know, in in – Across the league, definitely in Canada, the two teams that so many were buzzing about in terms of the seismic, to steal your term, moves that could happen this offseason were the Flames and the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, Winnipeg made their one move at the NHL draft as well, and it was a big one as they moved Pierre-Luc Dubois to the LA Kings. But again, since that time, Blake Wheeler has left and joined the New York Rangers, but the two big names that they were looking to make decisions on remain under contract, and goaltender Connor Hellebuck and Mark Scheifele. Are, are we talking about very similar circumstances in Winnipeg? Is is the reasoning the same there as to why there hasn't been a whole lot of movement in Calgary? Similar but different. I think the Jets aren't really operating under any sort of optimism that when this next season ends that Hellebuck and or Shifley will be under contract and extending. I think certainly more Hellebuck than Shifley. Um, you know, the writing's on the wall. The, the message has been sent. Um, they're not going to be re-signing there, is my understanding. And, you know, you never want to speak in absolutes, but I think part of the issue is when, they're de- when you're dealing with someone like Hellebuck and at that position, you're coming off of a year in which the Golden Knights won the Cup by spending little on goaltending. Yep. And you're seeing the LA Kings now, one of the top teams in the Pacific, spending two million total bucks on goaltending. Um, it, it's the position is viewed through a different prism in every organization. Some GMs want the, you know, the security blanket to keep them feeling safe at night that they have someone of Hellebuck's 
capability and and class at the position in net, but that comes with a price tag. And it's not just the acquisition cost that's expensive, it's the cost of the contract as well. And when we heard eight and a half to nine and a half million a year on the AAV, that I don't want to say it put an end to it, but the the few teams that I think were interested in acquiring Connor Hellebuck were yeah. like, hold on, wait a second here. I don't know if we can pay that. And they're just that close to the cap. Maybe the play for him is best to just go to market next year and see what happens um, and try and find a way to get paid when the cap increases. And let's see what those bets look like this mm-hmm. year for teams that aren't spending a lot on goaltending and if they change their mind. But I, I think the Shifley one is a little bit more confusing to me because He's coming off of a career year in goals. He's been one of the more underpaid players in the league the last number of years on that bargain contract, a number of 80-point seasons. His hockey IQ is off the charts. He's a hockey nerd, uh, can't get enough of it. Why is this guy not generating more interest and value on the trade market? Is it because of the extension that would need to come on the back end of it? Is there not someone that's willing to just pay to take a one-year run with Mark Shifley? And then I think the Jets, in a a little bit of a different situation that I think even for a playoff team last year that didn't do much, there's not really much by way of expectations this year after Wheeler's gone and after Dubois is gone. Yes, they've pumped up the depth depth on their team by the three forwards that they added from uh, the Kings. But is anyone looking at the Jets as a playoff pick or, you know, to take it a step further, could they do some damage if they were to find a way to get in? I don't think they have the same expectations as the Flames. And and by virtue of that, wouldn't you think then that they'd be a little bit more aggressive in trying to turn over their roster? Right. That would be my thought process, especially in goal when – it's so incredibly difficult to do that in season and, and have a goalie sort of take root in your, in your net and in your crease. Um, but I guess that's been one of the perplexing things of the summer has been why haven't the Jets been more active? What, uh, what's the latest in Edmonton as they've got some cap space, but perhaps not enough cap space to get things done on an Evan Bouchard extension. What's the latest there? What are we thinking that deal looks like when the Oilers and Bouchard come to terms on what we presume is going to be a short-term deal? So my understanding is that deal is essentially at the finish line. And like you, I'm kind of surprised that it's dragged on as long as it has. Um, It's not, much there's not much there to haggle on mostly because there's been other comps that have been set this summer from k andre miller to bowen byram uh players in that same ballpark that signed bridge deals and now that the oilers got their one arbitration case settled with mcleod there's only really so much to go around that's left on their cap for bouchard to sign a bridge deal um, I'd expect it to come in at two years just south of $4 million a year. Okay. Um, not done yet, but I, I, 
I don't want to, like, I, I think the two sides are well down the track and have a good sense of where it's going to be and land. But for whatever reason, haven't gotten around to either putting pen to paper and or announcing it yet. I don't know if they have something else up their sleeve, another, you know, one signing or something like that, a, a bargain bin signing that they'd like to get done. I don't know why this would preclude that, but nonetheless, here we are. Okay. Uh, just a few more with our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff, joining us here this hour on Flames Talk. What'd you make of that big Brandon Hagel extension today? He signs eight years with Tampa Bay at six and a half million dollars. Uh, I love to see guys who grind get re- uh, rewarded. Fifty-two million bucks. This is a guy that was a sixth-round pick that was drafted by Buffalo, and they didn't sign him. Uh, played his twenty-year-old season in the dub. And in Red Deer. W- in Red Deer, yes, and was signed by the Hawks. Then plays in the American League, makes it to the NHL, has some a couple good seasons, and people are questioning him again. Can he do it? Can he put up numbers elsewhere if he's not playing with some of Chicago's top-end talent? Goes to Tampa, traded for two first-round picks in a package, and... Oh, not a big deal. Comes in and has a 30-30 season for 64 points. And now he gets rewarded with this long-term deal, eight years times six and a half, which kicks in after next season and will take him to age 34. It's the deal of a career for a guy that signed a three-year, $4.5 million total deal. Uh, Was probably thrilled to get that and now has made it as a scrappy, speedy guy who can do a lot of different things and, and also fill the net. What I, uh, I heard you talking about this on the rundown, and, and I'd be uh, really interested for you to pass along here because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of talk about the Boston Bruins and, you know, whether or not they'd be interested in a player like Mark Shifley or a player like Elias Lindholm, who have been big parts of our conversation here. Obviously, it makes sense with both Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci retiring. Uh, where, where are we on the coming year for the Boston Bruins? Where are we on what the Bruins might end up looking like or what the expectations might be for coming off the greatest regular season in NHL history? Yeah, and, and one that ended with a thud. Very um, much so. I still can't believe that that's how that historic season ended, to have a 3-1 series lead on the eight seed, a 3-1 third period lead. It just it still blows my mind, does not compute. Um, the best way I can describe the Bruins is, I don't know if you've ever been in a spot where you've tried to grow out your hair. Let's say uh, my, my kid's doing this now. He wants some hockey hair. He wants the flow dangling outside of his helmet. And he's in this awkward stage now from like short hair to long where he kind of has to wear a hat everywhere. I call it the hat stage. Yep. You're not nearly at the finished product, but you're in an awkward stage in between. And that's where the Bruins are because they're transitioning and they don't have any cap space. They're hamstrung this year by the $4.5 million bonus overage that is the David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron contracts from last year. So they've got a bit of a hangover from that. They've got a hole up the middle of the ice that they'd love to fill. 
They don't have very many assets to trade to try and fill that hole. They don't have a first, second, or third in 2024. Um, They don't have a second in 2025, if I'm not mistaken. And they don't have a teaming prospect pool. So they've tried to essentially fill this hat stage by signing guys, uh, albeit mostly wingers, um, in the Van Riemsdyks and the Milan Luciches and then Kevin Shattenkirk as a seventh C to just kind of try and hang on before then they have some contracts that will then be expiring, the cap will increase, and maybe they can then pursue a center next summer to help fill that void with Zaka and Coyle in that spot now. Um, but they've got you know, they've got some work to do, but still have some really good pieces. Like any team that's heading into next year with uh, Pasternak and McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm, and you look at the way their two goaltenders played last year, a 938 and a 920 from your two guys, there's a recipe there to, to have success. And the crazy part about Boston's year is they could lose 30 points off of their season last year, 15 fewer wins, Mm -hmm. and still have like 105 points. Yeah. So they they can get there. They're clearly not going to be as strong, but they have the makings of on the other side of this hat stage uh, to be something pretty decent. Last one for you. I like, first of all, hat stage. I'm going to steal that. I like that quite a bit. Um, anything else that, you've, that you're that you tracking here? Is, is, are, are any stories we're missing that, you know, might materialize between now and, and the start of camps in a few weeks? I don't think so. It's really mostly been a quiet summer. Really has. Like everyone's waiting on, on edge for this Hockey Canada investigation. Um. I think there's still a few deals that need to get done. The Shane Pinto deal, the Bouchard deal we talked about. Um, Zegris in Anaheim. Yeah, Zegris has gone on for a while. Um, Short of that, I think it's just let's get to next year when we finally get some cap space. And with that free agent class, potentially if those guys aren't signed – we could see some real fireworks next summer. Good to catch up with you, my friend. Awesome to uh, have you on during the off season. Uh, we're we're back into regular programming after Labor Day, and we'll uh, be happy to have you back for another season, my friend. But thanks for doing this today. Enjoy the rest of your summer, Frankie. Thank you, man. Until then, just a uh, little Sunday scaries between now and then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thanks, Frank. Uh, Frank Saravalli is our daily face-off NHL insider. Joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Anything and everything Calgary Flames, it's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This hour rolls on on a Tuesday. Pat Steinberg along with you. 
from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet Basement, they have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Very happy to, uh, in our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, welcome in our good buddy Ryan Dietrich from calcoryflames.com. I think you got to turn Deets' mic on from, uh, from control room. There we go. Hi, Deets. Hi. How we doing? Amazing. And I think this is my first time in here. Love I it. believe it is. You've been in our uh, satellite studio yes. at the Dome many times. No, this, many is, times. this is your off-season home. I like that. I, w- I, I feel like windows? I'm getting to know. This is the real Pat Steinberg, away from all the hustle of the rink. I like yeah. it. I like it. You look relaxed. I know. It's like this is a... Uh... We have windows, the sun shines in here. <laughs> it's not just fluorescent glow that you're working on. Oh, yeah. Natural light. That was the difference. It hit me right away. No seasonal affective disorder <laughs> when you're in this room, <laughs> as opposed to being at the Saddle Dome. Uh, how's the summer been? It's been, uh, it's, I know you've had some holiday time. You've also done lots of work and, and yeah. uh, pumped out lots of content over at flames.com. What's the summer been like? Uh, well, it, it, tale of two summers. And I think you'd probably agree, right? The first half was. So busy, and and you know we, you kind of alluded to it there before you went to break. It's been quiet generally on the player side of things when it comes to the hockey operations. We knew we had the front half of the summer where we had a press conference when guys were leaving, and then we had a press conference when new That's guys were higher. coming in. Had uh, an arena announcement in oh, there as well. Yeah, that one that one goes back a few months. I hardly even remember that one. So uh, yeah, and then you sprinkle in a couple of retirement announcements. It was busy for the first little bit, but. You know, we the calendar seemed to turn to August and everybody got a little bit of a breather. And I think with you as well, it's been nice from that point. You start to get the itch now. You see the ice coming back in the saddle dome, so you yep. start to feel it a little bit. But uh, restful last 30 days, I'd say. I'm feeling good. How about you? Well, I'm, I'm feeling quite good. Um, this is our uh, last week of Flames Talk. We did a little limited time engagement on Flames Talk in the uh, middle of the summer. And then uh, we are off next week and then back after labor day and once we're back after labor day it's it's back and so here we are it is it is tuesday the 22nd which means honestly we're just over three weeks away from penticton yes and three weeks away from the young stars classic which is kind of the kickoff to the year yeah. uh and the kickoff to training camp getting going so like we're in the 21 to 28 day range of training camp getting going. And we're into the, you know, less than, I think we're in the 50 day range from the start of the season. So like, it's, it's very much upon us. And, and now it's like, okay, summer's coming to an end time for hockey season for sure. And that's kind of been my job over the last few weeks. And as you know, I'm looking at the calendar now, I'm getting a little nervous too, because Penticton is such a big deal. You've worked on the broadcast for years, so you understand what that's like. I'm a little bit more of the uh, the lead guy on that project nowadays, so uh, that's an in-house broadcast. The Calgary Flames do a huge amount of work to pull this off. So uh, for me, I think that's, what is it, Wednesday the 13th of September? That's rollout day, so I'm driving the production truck out to Penticton, getting set up, and uh, yeah, and away we go. 8.30 Calgary time, Friday night, the 15th is the first game. It's going to be electric. They play Friday, Saturday, and then Monday afternoon, and yes. then back, and then training camp will get going a couple of days later, and the preseason is the following week, so it's like, it's time. It is, it is. I feel, but like I said, the ice is back in now, so. I saw that. Not yeah, only do you feel it, it's it's cold. It was cold in the building today, too, which is good, because it starts to feel like the fall. You get a couple of pumpkin spice lattes in there, and you're ready to go. Yeah, here we are. Um, you've, uh. You've had an opportunity to talk to a number of guys over the offseason. Um, and I guess I, I guess we'll start with Mackenzie Weger because I know that you and Parks had a chance to chat with him 
probably I want to say four or five weeks ago. Yeah. And then he was back in town over the weekend for the Shaw Charity Classic in the Rogers Legends of Hockey Charity Skins game. He and Mike Vernon were playing together. We talked to him on Friday, and uh, he gave some like he was awesome with us. I know he was awesome with everybody. Uh, the following day it was all of a sudden quite a buzz about Mackenzie Weger for captain. As we know, the Flames will be naming a captain this year. Of of all the guys that I think we've heard from this summer, feels like Uyghur's the one that is driving the bus in terms of the hype train for next year and, and getting people excited. And the not to say other guys haven't been, but he's the guy that may, maybe is leading the way for like, hey, you know what? We've got someone to prove. We want to get back. We want to get back to work for next year. I don't. I'm not going to take credit for Mackenzie Uyghur's like midseason renaissance, but. I think you'd agree when the Flames acquired this guy last summer, there was a decent amount of buzz about what they were getting. We heard it from some colleagues in Florida. This guy's an absolute beauty. And we saw his results on the ice. Like this was an elite defender coming into town. And obviously it took a little while for him to start figuring things out. But when it did, I mean, we saw that guy come to life last year. And you hate to say it like, oh, I really believed in this guy from the start. But this is the guy we heard so much about. And it wasn't just his on-ice play. We're in and around the dressing room every day. He commands a presence every time you talk to him. And it started at around this time last year, too, when he arrived in town. And you started to realize that this guy was an exceptional interview. He had his fingers on the pulse. And he really had seemed to just a good read on what was happening in his own dressing room. So with the way it finished last year, and and for me, I'm never going to judge a player on whether or not he decides or not to go to the world championship. This was a real point of pride for him. And he wanted his season to continue. So it wasn't just a matter of, I'm going to go chase down a gold medal, which he eventually got. He had that hunger to keep playing because he knew he was on a good track. He carried that right through. We saw him get the accolades. And you know what? Just just following him on Instagram a little bit, I want to be part of that party. He was taking that trophy and the gold medal all over Europe afterwards too. So speaking of good off-seasons, I think he had a pretty good one. Yeah, he uh, he he was outstanding at that world championship. And, you know, and, and not to say there aren't, other players on this roster that would be great choices for captain because I yeah. think whether it's Blake Coleman or Jonathan Huberdo or Rasmus Anderson, you've got a guy like Mackenzie Weger who who definitely jumps off the pages. That guy feels like he's starting to crest the into the leadership group and a guy that whether it's an A or a C that he's wearing next year, it would, I don't think it would surprise anybody if if he took another step towards being a big time leader on this team. Well, and just talking to some of the guys, I mean, we've. I'm sure you've had similar conversations. We've asked guys throughout the offseason, would you like to be captain of the Calgary Flames? And and that's a tough question for a lot of guys because, you know, they feel like they might be stepping on the toes of maybe some of the other guys that have been around longer. But I love what Mackenzie Weger said last week. Yes, I want to be captain of the Calgary Flames. And, you know, this is a guy that in talking to him, he never gives you something that isn't authentic. And that's what I love about him. I absolutely love this guy. I'm not kidding. Parks would tell you. I think we had a running joke all season long. Oh, who are you talking to this morning? I'd be like, oh, you know, Mackenzie Weger again. Felt yeah. like a daily occurrence, but that's because you knew what you were getting from this guy, and he just seemed to have that those leadership qualities in spades. Well, and and his uh, his buddy who came over from the Panthers is Jonathan Huberdo. Uh, I know that Parks and and Tori were out in Montreal yep. speaking with him. I know you've had an opportunity to chat with him as well. Just seems like a refreshed Jonathan Huberdo as well, and and a guy that is motivated in a very like professional way to show everybody what happened last year is is not what he's all about he seems like he's pretty uh, motivated fired up but in a kind of a different way he, he it's more of like of a 
quiet confidence and a quiet fire is what you get from Huberdeau coming into the year. For sure. And for me, it's the professionalism that he seems to carry with himself on a daily basis. And, you know, whether it's with his teammates or even talking to us, we've always said that, you know, speaking of leadership and captaincy, this is a guy that has always carried himself like one. And, you know, let's be honest, I think we'd all agree last year went about as bad as it could by just about any measure for a new player coming in. But he's got that pedigree. We know all about his resume. I think he, you said quiet confidence. I think he does believe in himself and know he's going to get close to those numbers that he put up a few years ago. But it all starts with the work with this guy. And that trip out to Montreal was great because we saw what Parks and Torrey were able to, you know, not only talk to him about, but visualize yeah. whether he was in the gym or on the golf course. He's got this very specific mindset about what his daily tasks look like. He's very focused. And I love the fact that he's coming in wanting to prove people wrong this year, because you know, over the past four or five months, that's been his singular focus. So I'm excited to see, he should feel refreshed too. I don't know about you, but coming into training camp this year, you know, you get about to game four or five of the preseason, it starts to get a little monotonous. This year, I think, is going to be very intriguing because not only for Jonathan Huberto, but we're talking about potential line mates for this guy as well. I think it's going to be a refreshing, reinvigorating opportunity for him to instill a little bit of belief back in the fan base. He, uh, yeah, and, and just the way that he goes about his business, you know, it's, he's, I know that last year did not go the way that he wanted. He's the first one to say so, but, you know, even as last year was, was going along, I always, like, he was always there to own it. Um, he was always very professional in the way that he goes about his business. He always has a, there's just a, an air about him, the way that he carries himself. So I, I think we're all expecting a much better year for Huberdo as opposed to what we saw last year. But just, you know, knowing how, as you mentioned, singular focus that I, I, I think if I'm a Flames fan, I'm, I'm excited about what could be this year. And that doesn't mean that you're putting, you know, empirical expectations. He has to get X amount of goals, X amount of assists, yeah. or else. It, but I just, it, it feels like there, because of that that focus that he's had all off season. There, there's reason to be excited about what he could do this year. So, just an observation from maybe some of the discourse over the off season, but especially late in the season, I saw a lot of discourse, whether it was on Twitter or maybe on on the radio airwaves as well. You know, people talking about how this guy was making excuses for himself, but. I don't know about you, Pat. I didn't see any of that. I mean, I saw the media introducing narratives and potential excuses, and I think we almost did that for him. But this was not a guy who stepped in front of the microphones, which he did on a semi-daily basis, yep. and make excuses for himself. There was a lot of outside noise, but this is a guy that you know owned, as you said, every uh, bit of his game. And you know, for me, that's the most exciting part because this is a guy that's always done that. And I think coming into this year, you're going to see a different type of player with a different type of mindset, maybe yep. more importantly. Uh, Ryan Dietrich's with us from CalgaryFlames.com. You uh, you spoke to Andrew Mangiapane a few weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, there's another guy that I think has got a, you know, a little bit of a, a burr in his saddle coming into the year. Not like, I don't think he had a poor year last year. I really don't. But the goal totals were down. He had 35, and he was under 20 last year. Now, I take a look at some of the the things that go into it, and I take a look at a historically very accurate shooter that had a shooting percentage way under his his career average. And I just, I, I think that just based on that, we see a better year goal scoring wise for him. But then again, when you take a, when you take into account how motivated he's going to be, it's another guy that, you know, I'm really interested to, to watch this coming year. And 
feels like he'll be 100% coming into training camp as well based on what you were able to, to garner from him. Well, first off, shooting percentage. Isn't Andrew Mangiapane basically the poster boy for the 22-23 Calgary Flames? Yeah, like it just, 100%. It, that was the prototypical example of what didn't go right for this team last year. So uh, do I think he's going to be a 35, potentially 40 goal scorer in the future? I don't know. That's up to Andrew to prove, but I think we all agree he's probably better than the 16 he put up last year. So, um, But like you said, it starts with being healthy. And it was interesting talking to him uh, in the locker clean-out day. He sort of uh, was hesitant about whether or not he could say he was going to play for Team Canada. Well, little did he or any of us know he had actually just got some tough news about his year-end medicals. Uh, there was an injury to his shoulder that needed surgical intervention. Uh, that came as a complete shock to him. So if we saw an Andrew Mangiapane up at the podium that looked like he saw a ghost, that's literally what happened. That news was just dropped on him. So uh, tough way to end it, but maybe helps explain some of the stuff that we saw late in the season. In terms of where he's at, I talked to him, I think it was way back on July 18th. And at that point, he was saying he was 100% in terms of no more restrictions. It wasn't a rehab conversation anymore. It was more, or sorry, it wasn't a recovery conversation anymore. It was all about rehab and strengthening and going into the rest of his summer kind of picking up where he left off in his usual off-season training regimen. So he said he's going to be ready to go for training camp. Which he wasn't, remember, he had to Not miss the... Not a year ago, first, that's yeah, right. Yeah, last year so, he had to miss the start of training camp. Exactly. So all of this, you know, speaking of excuses, I'm not making any for this team, but the fact is there were so many things that just were went a little bit sideways for this team last year, and to know that Andrew's coming back to camp fully healthy, 100% this fall is really exciting because if the Calgary Flames are going to have any success this year, they're going to need players like Andrew Mangiapane to have success offensively. Well, I want to double back on on the Huberdeau conversation because I was thinking a lot about this. You know, we we know that Tyler Toffoli is, is now a member of the New Jersey Devils and Toffoli was basically attached to the hip of Elias Lindholm last season. So you take a look at the way the roster is set right now. I know that Huberdeau and Lindholm did not necessarily create, you know, fireworks chemistry in their about month together to start the year. But they got broken up in, I want to say like mid-November, and were never really put back together on a regular basis outside of the power play. And so I think to myself, you've got your number one center and your most offensively gifted left winger. And I say left winger because I I don't think there's any doubt that Huberdeau is going to be playing the left side this year. So... I think Lindholm, I think Huberdo, and then I think about Yegor Sharangovich, who I just, I know you've had an opportunity to chat with him going back to the draft in late June. I really, I really like the idea of him on his off wing playing on a line like that and having a guy like Huberdo put pucks on his stick. And now all of a sudden, Sharangovich has, you know, an extra foot in terms of a direct path to the net yeah. with his shot. I I don't know if, if Ryan Huska and Craig Conroy are thinking the same way or or Mark Savard or but I really like the idea of Sharon Govich and Huberdo on the same wing together the same line together rather. You see that's why I think this training camp's gonna be fascinating because you're gonna see some experimentation, especially at the top end of the lineup that way. And by the way, since you mentioned Jonathan Huberdo, I mean the fact is we all remember the totality or the front end of that season he had. It didn't go well. But let's not forget, too, like Mackenzie Wiegers, things really started to fall more into place as the season went along. And I think that last quarter, you know, Huberter was one of the Flames' most dangerous offensive players. So let's start with that foundation instead of what the player that we saw at the start of this past mm-hmm. season, right? Because I think that's 
the way he's going to come into this season, try to build off something good. Sharon Govich, you don't acquire a player of this caliber or with that pedigree if you're not going to put him in a position to succeed. So I'm not going to sit here and forecast what Ryan Huska is going to put on the ice day one, but it seems like a pretty logical thing that you might see. And, and you know what? While we're on the conversation, I think you might see a bit of a rotating cast up there too. Wouldn't be surprised if Matt Coronado yeah. got a shot up there as well. So this is that this is that excitement. I can feel it in my voice because, you know, you're going to start seeing these these uh, combinations put together in training camp and in well, those and preseason games. All the different games chances guys are going to get in the preseason, right? right? It's great well, for what the first I li- time in a while. What, what I like is that, you know, you go into, even even in a year where you've got a pretty good idea what things are going to look like, things always, you know, you have your lines in training camp and, and those typically stay static-ish. Yep. But then they change come the preseason games, right? Like, you, you know, player X, Y, and Z will have played together for an entire three or four days in a row in training camp practices, but then only two of those guys play in a preseason right. game and somebody else goes in on their line in the preseason game. I just think about the 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 opportunities Coronado might have with a Kadri or Coronado might have with a Lindholm and to see if in training camp he can prove that the NHL is where he needs to start because if he can do that, he is the only, and this is no disrespect to Walker Dewar, who I think we all expect will be a full-time flame this year. Yeah. But in terms of right shot scoring threats on the right wing with Toffoli gone, it's Coronado because Lindholm's a center. Dewar projects as a bottom six and an effective bottom six guy. But that like scoring threat with a right shot off the right side, right now it's Coronado and nobody else. This is why I think Flames fans need to be excited about what we're going to see in a month from now, because this isn't just you and me spitballing a couple of ideas here. This is literally from the mouth of the general manager and of the head coach. We need more youth in the lineup. We need more of this. We need more skill. Well, here it is. And here are some of the returning cast members like a Jonathan Huberto, who we all agree, one of the better playmakers in the league when he's on his game. Let's see what we can do here because I think there are some pieces and I know we spent a lot of time, you know, dissecting what did or did not happen with the roster over the course of this offseason. But let's not forget this infusion of youth is going to be the difference between the Calgary Flames making some noise this year and not. It has to. Yep. Good stuff. Thanks for stopping by. I like it. I might sleep here tonight. It's nice. Good spot. Sleeping bag or what? Good spot. We do all right down here. (laughs) Uh, You can follow. It's just it's Ryan Dietrich on Twitter, right? It is. And it's X. I won't do it. I, it's I'm not. I, that's that's going to take. I'm a trying long to teach time. myself. So. Uh, and it's with a C K. Ryan Dietrich D I T T R I C K. Nailed it. Ryan Dietrich on Twitter, uh, and you can check out his work on CalgaryFlames.com. As we start to wrap things up on Flames Talk, my name is Pat Steinberg. Taylor Cam have been our producers this hour, and this hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com slash doors.